Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's the head of marketing and coaching for Rethink Academy and the CEO of Easy Coaching Mastery. It's Jason Osborne. How are you doing today, Jason? Hey, Alex. Doing great. Thanks. Really pleased to be here on the show with you. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to learn more about your rise to the challenge. First thing we talk about is talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Okay, cool. So I'm originally from Texas. I was actually born in Phoenix, Arizona, but moved to Texas um, when I was about eight and moved to Amarillo, which is the top of Texas, and then moved down to Houston when I was 12. So I I tell everyone I'm I'm from Texas. But yeah, I um, was uh, from Texas, lived there until I was um, in my kind of mid-20s, but uh, always really big into sport, loved baseball. Um, absolutely loved it. Uh, played some football as well and uh, uh, basketball and all that sort of stuff. So I was um, loved it. Loved the sports element of it. Didn't like school so much. I was quite a nerd growing up. Got made fun of a lot, picked on, all that sort of thing. Um, and then I kind of in high school, I I, I don't know, kind of blossomed, I guess you'd say, um, and uh, ended up being you know captain of the basketball team and all that. Um, school president and all that kind of stuff, but um, it was it was uh, it was more of a privilege because I had been picked on and bullied my entire life. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, going through that time where you were being bullied, what kind of mindset was going through? Did you kind of think I don't know how to make friends, or I just need to keep on going and find something that can stick with me? Yeah, I I, I just kept going with it. It was I didn't. Uh, I I see some people that go through and are bullied a lot and they kind of cower and, and kind of pull pull themselves away from loads of stuff. And I didn't do that so much. I mean, there was an element, I mean, you're not going to, if you know, you're going to get bullied, you know, well, most people don't proactively put themselves in opportunities to be bullied. So I wasn't doing that, Mm -hmm. but I, I definitely was, I went out and said, you know, I'm just going to be me. Um, and you're learning how to be yourself as well. And kids can be quite cruel. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure I was probably cruel to people as well. I I can't remember purposely trying to be cruel, but I guess we all are in our own ways sometimes. But, um, I, I just decided I'm just going to keep, keep going forward. Um, it's, I find there's always people there to support you and help you through stuff, even if you don't know they're there. And, uh, for me, I remember I was in middle school. I was, we were living in Amarillo at the time, um, Valley View Middle School. Um, and I just started band, which sounds very typical of a nerd, but I just started band. And um, uh, I started playing the saxophone and excelled really, really quickly through that. And the first uh, semester, I was in like the beginning band class thing. And that's next semester, my, my, uh, 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 band teacher basically came in and just said, look, we want to move you up to symphonic, which was, there's three levels and symphonic's the highest. And he said, but I don't, I don't know if it's too big of a jump. So we're going to move you up to intermediate and just little things like that. That was a huge confident boost in me thinking, you know, I'm actually pretty good at something, you know, for, you know, within kind of three or four months, they're wanting to move me up from never playing saxophone before to wanting to move up to, to you know, symphonic, um, bandwidth it's those those things like that that i think if we all pay attention to areas like that there's people like that in our lives that are there to encourage us and sometimes we don't 
pay attention to that and we think everyone hates us. We're never good enough. And this all goes up to life now and business and all that sort of stuff. But you're, when you look around, there's always going to be people there to support you. Um, and we have to not um, put ourselves down and feel sorry for ourselves and go, oh, everyone hates me. When actually there's people around you supporting you, there's always balance. And when you start looking for it, you'll, you'll find it, which is pretty cool. So I love that you talked about the band and kind of like I was in bands and I played the French horn and it was kind of like the same thing. I had the same situation where they wanted me to move up, but I was like, nah, I'm good with concert band. And like it made my schedule easy and I was able to help like mentor the younger kids in a way. So it was kind of like, they kind of had that uh, mindset where, okay, he can help the future in a way. So I kind of liked hearing your story about that. And one of those things is where people support, they kind of support in different ways. Everyone may not be out there saying, I support you. They might be kind of low key. And I think for me, I went through that similar thing where I was kind of maybe looking for that support. Like, like physically, you can see them supporting you, but I knew people support in different ways. And I kind of, as I got into college, that's when I kind of saw it more. Cause I mean, I don't talk to anyone in high school right now. So, but I'm not like distant from them. It's just, we just kind of lost touch in a way, but I support them through a distance, no matter what they do. When you're pick, uh, playing sports, what did you learn about yourself playing sports? Um, I learned that, um, uh, I, one, I loved kind of the team sport element of it. And I loved being, I, I found that I was quite competitive. You know, I was, I've always, I, I'm still an introvert. You know, I love my alone time. You know, I like, I don't like being in, I, I it, it's funny now when I'm in groups of people, I have a lot of people come up to me and say, oh, you know, you're really good, all that kind of stuff. Or if I tell people I'm quite introverted, they're like, what? You don't, what? <laughs> and to me, that's probably one of the biggest compliments because I know how much of an introvert I am and how much I've had to work on myself to be in other people's eyes good at what they see me doing, you know, networking and speaking from stage, all that. although I love speaking in front of people. But, um, I, you know, I was always really introverted. And so growing up and doing sports realizing that actually I'm quite competitive and you know there's the side of me where it's like you know the, the sports field in a lot of ways kind of leveled the playing field because it didn't matter if you were a nerd or not a nerd or if you you know had you know had family problems or non-family problems like it, you, you're just out there to play and it was like all of those things got put to the side and you were there, you played your position, did what you did in, within your team. And, um, uh, and, and so it just, it was a way for me almost to escape from a lot of things because um, I, I was pretty decent in, in a lot of sports growing up. Um, and, and that always really kind of encouraged me, you know, all of my coaches, um, you know, they, they always compliment me complimented me on a lot of different things with sports so that was a thing for me as well to to go you know actually I'm good at things because when you're in school getting bullied and and different things it, you can think well gosh I'm, I'm I'm not very good or I'm not going to amount to a lot of stuff but when it's on sport for me you know from I was able to just go look here here's my ability and I and I practice hard as well and that was really a big thing because I knew if I practiced harder and got better that's where I would um, improve. I remember um, when I got into high school, 
I, one of the biggest things I wanted to be able to do is, is reach the rim when I started playing basketball a lot. And, um, I, for, well, even, even when I was younger playing baseball, I would go out into my front yard and, and, um, I would walk out how far, cause we weren't at quite the full length of the, where the picture and picture and the catcher is. Mm. Um, and so I'd walk out the length of what it is. And I had just like a cardboard box for, for the strike zone. And for hours, I would just go there, pitch, walk, pick the ball up, walk back, pitch. I mean, I would just do it over and over and over and over again. And, and then once I got into high school playing basketball, for hours I'd be in the gym just doing different types of dribbling um, uh, drills. Uh, I'd sit there and just do like jump exercises to increase my vertical. And I was never able to, I slammed the ball once in my entire <laughs> life, but I was finally able to actually touch the rim. And it, it was those kind of type of things where I realized, you know what? Um, I, I the, the stronger you go through this and you practice and practice and practice, a lot of that uh, can really make up for, for a lot of things. Um, there, there's a, there's a quote from R Will Smith and, and I'll probably get it wrong, but I'll pr paraphrase it. And I love it. And he said, you, you may not, um, I may not be as good as you, but I'll outwork you. And I like that element because I, I'm not, I'm not in the vein of hustle till you die. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, which I know a lot of people are kind of in that. So I'm not saying that, but it's, I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn. And, and that's what I learned a lot about being a kind of in sports and, and that I had that ability to just keep going and keep going and keep going. And wasn't always the best on the team. As a matter of fact, I don't, I don't know if I was ever the best, but it allowed me to be pretty good and also get to a place where I knew how to lead people as well and became captains of different teams and stuff. So I learned lots during sports growing up, man. Using that concept of where you kept practicing and getting better each day, do you use that same principle now in your career where you're continuing to learn and keep going and still practice to build that craft in a way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to. One of the things that um, we are always talking about with our clients is the importance of consistency around things. And once we get in kind of, once I start talking about kind of once I got into my career and what I'm doing now, I can go into more depth around that. But, you know, the consistency is, is so important because no matter what you're doing, um, there, there's a, a process that takes place. And very rarely do you have someone that becomes an overnight success. And when you speak to the person that's supposedly the overnight success and you actually start talking to them, you realize it, it's not an overnight success. You know, it was an overnight success 15 years in the making or whatever, you know, and it's that sort of thing where the consistency of it's really important. Um, even when I started my online marketing career, it was that consistency that got me to where I got not because I had some innate ability or you got lucky or anything like that. It was the determination because I wanted to learn the skills that would allow me to uh, build my business and have the skill set to be successful in different areas. I'm still learning it today, you know, constantly reading, constantly listening to podcasts, constantly networking, talking with people. Um, another incredible quote I love, I, th I think it's from, um, I uh, can't remember his name now. I'll remember it in a second. But the quote says this, you want to surround yourself with people whose walking pace is your running pace. And so 
um, you know, I, I proactively try to surround myself with people, not obviously not everyone I know, but I'm looking, you know, I want to get to around people that you know, their walking pace is my running pace. And I, and I look at them and go, how do you do that much with the time you have, you know, and oftentimes they're the ones that don't, it feels like they're, they have more leisure or leisure time in their life than I do. And I'm running around crazy. It's like, yeah. how do you do that so much and still have this relaxed life? And it's that sort of thing. So consistency as yes, is that daily activity is really important. I think the greatest tool anyone can use right now is learning. I mean, not everyone knows everything in this world. Um, even the people on game shows and trivia and stuff, but I'm one of those people that each day, if I can learn something new, that's not, a, if it's about me or something else, something that I'm passionate about, it's a win for me because it just, it's going to develop my skills over time and just make me a better person all around. What was your dream job growing up? What was that occupation that you wanted? So, um, to be honest with you, it was being a business owner. Um, so when I, when I grew uh, this is more kind of high school time. Obviously, when you're young, you know, is I wanted to be a professional baseball player and all that sort of thing. But when I got into high school, I wanted to be a business owner. I I didn't really like high school a lot, even even when I started kind of getting quote unquote popular and all that kind of stuff. I, I, I just wanted to go out there and actually do real world stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, I wanted to experience business and what it was like to do stuff. And you know, I went through through different kind of phases of, you know, I want to maybe move to New York and live the high city, you know, uh, pinstripe suit type of high flyer type of career. And then I went into, you know, maybe I, I started studying to get my series three as a stockbroker. And, you know, I, I kind of did all of those sorts of things. But um, I mean, I started my first business when I was 20. So it was quite young when I was doing that. But that's what I want to do. I wanted to be a business owner. And um uh, pretty much my entire life, e even if I have been employed, I've always run like a side business because I just love it. And it, it's what stimulates my mind. I, if I'm not doing something business, I, I feel like I'm shriveling up and dying inside, you know? So yeah, that's what I wanted to do. So having that mindset of wanting to be a business owner, did you continue to pursue an education with college or university or did you went right into owning a business? I, I did go, I, I, I went to college. I never actually ended up graduating. Um, I, I found college, like, I, so I was, I was uh, studying finance in, at, at university and there were parts of it that I really loved, but I also just being in the classroom around stuff, uh, you know, obviously you're, you're learning lots of stuff and I, I preferred university to high school because there's a lot more freedoms and stuff with at uni, but um, I, I just, I wanted to actually be doing stuff. And then when I started my business at 20, it, university became really a massive challenge to me because well, I'd be sitting in, in, in my lectures at uni and I'm thinking, oh, I'm just, I could be out pro, pro, knocking on doors and prospecting, you know, like what, what am I doing in this room? <laughs> and it became a massive, massive challenge for me. Um, and then I, I eventually, um, so it took me a long time. I wasn't taking like full courses and all that kind of stuff during the semesters. And then I ended up moving country. So I, I ended up never finishing, but it, it was, I just preferred going right into business. I, I don't necessarily, uh, it, everyone has different paths. And so I wouldn't, 
necessarily tell people, hey, don't go to college or university. Um, but, um, you know, for some people, some people, this may be controversial. But, you know, I think if, if people want to go into business, um, you know, for some people, it's the right move to just go in and do it. You know, you're, you'll learn the, the education you have your first year in business is worth five, 10 years of university, in my personal opinion, because the amount of stuff you learn in the practical application of loads of different areas is, you know, it's way beyond book knowledge, you know? Um, so, but, but I'm not, I'm not slamming the university. I'm not telling anyone not to go to it because I think it has its purpose, but um, you know, I, I just, I quite like the path that I ended up going down. So. Do you have those days where you kind of wish you may have finished college or are you at the stage of your life where you're okay with it because I've accomplished a lot since then? Um, I'm at the stage now where I'm, I don't have any desire to go back. Um, and, and unless it was just something that I felt I really just wanted to learn, you know, I, I'd go back because I wanted to not because, um, I felt like it's something that I had to do. There were times in my, my late twenties, early thirties where I'd go, man, I should have just finished university and I could just get a job and I wouldn't have the, the pressures or challenges of running a business. So there were times, you know, cause it, it, it like, like we were saying earlier, it's very rare. You're going to be, you know, quote unquote successful where, you know, your first business. And as a matter of fact, most, you know, successful business owners have, have gone bankrupt at least once mm-hmm. um, or have had to shut down their business if they haven't gone uh, bankrupt. And, and you go through that process and there's a lot of self doubt that you go through and a lot of like, you know, can I do it again? And, you know, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, there were times, you know, look, it's nice. There, there's pros and cons on everything, but there's nice, you know, having a job, getting a regular paycheck every week or month or however you get paid, you know, not having to worry about it being your business and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, when, when things get really challenging at times of business, you go, okay, actually, why didn't I do that? So yeah, there was, but it was never strong enough where I was like, I'm, I'm going to pack, pack in this whole business thing and go back to uni and finish my degree. So. Did you have a good support system where they were all behind you on making that transition into your first business? So in my first business, yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I had some, um, challenges as I got older. Um, just, I was in a relationship, um, you know, different value sets and all that kind of stuff where, you know, the support wasn't really there. But when, when I was younger, when I, you know, I was 20, yeah. I mean, uh, my mom was always, I, I grew up in a single parent household and my mom was always really encouraging to just kind of follow your dreams and do what you want to do. And she was, she was great and encouraging and the friends and, and that I had around, um, they were always really encouraging around stuff as well. And I think people, they knew, they knew what I wanted to do. They, they, they knew I didn't want to just fit into what most people feel is, you know, kind of what we're taught of just going to school, go getting a degree, getting a job, all that kind of stuff. I never kind of fit that mold anyway. And so when, you know, I started that business, I, I spoke to a few people. Um, I spoke to a guy who was quite successful in business as well. And he was, um, he was the the father of some real good friends of mine. And I was asking him about it. And he's like, just go for it. Like, 
you know, what do you have to lose? Mm-hmm. And um, I was like, yeah, what do I have to lose? So, um, you know, I, I did kind of get advice around all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I try to get advice on a lot of things when I move into different things or make decisions around stuff, you know, there, there, obviously there are some decisions you, you can just make on your own, but I like to get advice and, and I surround myself with people that um, I, I feel can give me good balanced advice on, on things as well. So. So talk about that transition. What was your business about and what was the mission of it? Um, so I wouldn't say there was so much of a mission other than I just wanted to make money. Um, I wanted to, <laughs> which is, you know, that's what I wanted to do. Um, that, that sounds kind of like I was just greedy. It, it, that wasn't it. I just wanted it to, to work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I started off my first business. I was selling window coverings. And, um, so I, I, as I said, I grew up in Houston pretty much. And, um, uh, you know, there's 5 million people in the Houston Metroplex or whatever. So, you know, when you go around to the housing developments, it's easy to know who your prospect is because they just living in a fishbowl, you know, there's no window coverings on it or whatever. And, um, so for a 20 year old who, um, was quite introverted, I, I, uh, meeting strangers and striking up conversations was a challenge at times. Um, I never really, because I'm quite an analytical person as well. uh, I never at the time, I didn't really understand the whole reason around small talk, Mm -hmm. you know, why I I remember having a conversation with my mom one time when I was in high school, I was like, what's this whole thing about small talk? I just don't get it. Why do we have to talk about the weather or sports when we could just start talking about the actual subject we want to talk about? And she was just laughing at me. I'm like, oh, you'll figure it out one day. So when when I started doing this, you know, you, you go up, you knock on doors, and you go in, and, and people let you in, inside your home. And I was 20, you know. And looking back at it, it's like I was a 20-year-old kid that people would let – just I'd knock on their door, tell them who I was, what I do. They let you in their house. And before you can quote them, you have to go around – all of the windows and measure them. So, you know, you know, how many blinds um, are going to be done, the, the size of the blinds, all that kind of stuff. So you can start quoting, getting them quote, then based on the type of blind they want as well. They just let me free in their house. Wow. You know, I'm just walking around as a 20 year old kid with a tape measure and a, and a, a, a notepad writing down, okay, you know, room one size of the windows, so many inches wide and long and all that kind of stuff. And, and sometimes I'd be sitting there going, I could, I, I could just literally be robbing people left, right, and center, and they, they wouldn't know. And um, so that was, a, that was really interesting to me that people would let a 20-year-old kid into their home and just let them roam around and have no idea what they're doing. Um, and then going in and, and sitting in their living room after you've done all this and give them a quote, you ask them what type of blinds they want, you go through it, and then you quote them and all that. And at the time, you know, your average, your average order would be anywhere between like a thousand and five thousand dollars. Wow. And I, uh, I required a 50% deposit down. And very often, you know, I'd be walking out of people's home, having met them an hour and a half before, and I'd have a check of, you know, between 500 and two and a half thousand dollars in my hand. You know, I mean, this is, you know, we were still doing, still doing checks back then, um, <laughs> you know? Um, and I, I'd walk around thinking, 
this you know a thousand dollars they don't even know me you know yeah. and obviously then the blinds have to be um manufactured and cut the size and all that kind of stuff and it took about a week they don't know if i'm ever going to come back you know so it was it was a massive learning experience i learned loads of different things around customer service um speaking with people um how to feel confident in myself being in people you know just sitting in people's living room and all that kind of stuff so and that, that, that's what I'm saying. You know, people who go into business, you're, you learn so much, you know, through the lifetime of your business, but particularly those first couple of years, it's just unbelievable. So how long were you with this company before you're kind of ready for that next step in your career? So um, interesting story around all that. Um, I, I did that business for about two years and um what was happening is because of Houston, you know, it's, it's known for its oil. There's lots of oil refineries around and people that work in the oil refineries do shift work. And so they'll work like four days on four days off or seven days on seven days off. And so they'd have big gaps of time where they're not doing anything and they don't just like sitting around. So it, it's, it was quite an easy industry to get into. And so what was happening is over that two years, um, we'd go down, as I said, anywhere between kind of a thousand to $5,000 average order. And the average orders kept getting knocked down lower, lower and lower because people were going in and they'd only be wanting to make one, two, $300 per order because it wasn't their livelihood. I mean, oil refinery workers, they make good money. You know, um, so it's not their livelihood. It's just, it's an extra car payment, you know, that they're making doing this. It's just something they can do to, to pass time. So um, it, it really drove my margins down a lot. And so I was looking to um, change direction at, with what I was doing anyway. And then I ended up being in a plane crash. Um, so um, that kind of changed a lot of direction with what I was doing. I was in a, a small uh, private plane crash. Um, and, uh, there were five people on board, three people, three of my friends died and me and another guy survived. And so it took, um, it took some, uh, a little bit of time to recover and then, okay, we'll figure out what I'm going to do with my life. What do I want to do? You know, it's just a lot of different things. So my whole life kind of transitioned into trying to figure out, okay, what am I really wanting to do and where am I going? Um, so there was a lot of changes over the next three or four years after that um, on why I kind of moved out of that particular business. Going through the recovery of the plane crash, was it a time where you maybe, had, like you did say you were kind of reevaluating what was next for you? Were you kind of nervous? Maybe I couldn't do the things that I was able to do or I might have to go completely in a different direction or... What was going on during that time? It, 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 well, it was a journey for, for one thing. It, um, because um, some really close people to me um, passed away in there, there were a lot of things that I had to go through for, for months. Um, so, you know, survivor's guilt and, and a lot of different stuff and post-traumatic stress and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, I went to some counseling and, and all of that. And there was a, a time right after that where um, – it's really hard to explain, but I couldn't see in front of me. I couldn't see my future, you know, before it. And I think most people, when they look ahead, they can, you know, they can write out their monthly goals or where they want to be in a year or five years, you know, and, and write all that stuff out. 
I couldn't see to the end of the day. It was really weird. In my head, I'd wake up, and the furthest I could see is that afternoon. I couldn't even figure out what I was going to do after that. It was like this fog in my head, and I, I just I couldn't figure it out. And it was really worrying for me because I was like, this, you know, if I can't see more than half a day ahead of me, how am I going to figure out what I want to do with my life? So what I, what I did through that process is I made a decision that I would look as far as I could in my head and I'd push it as I'd, I'd push it an extra 30 minutes or an hour. And I did that every single day. And so I'd say, you know, just as an example, let's say I got up at eight o'clock and I could only see it at 12 o'clock that afternoon. I'd go, okay, well, what am I going to do at 1230 instead or one o'clock? Mm-hmm. And, and I'd, I'd push that. And then after a few days, I'd be able to see in my head to two o'clock and then I'd go, okay, well, let's do three o'clock. And then it became a day and then a few days and then a week and then a month. And it took several, it, it took me probably about two and a half, three months to kind of get to a point where I felt like, I was kind of normal again, if that, you know, whatever normal is. And um, so that whole process really took some time to, to go through. And then once I was able to actually look at it, um, I was like, okay, well, where do I want to go with my life? What do I want to do? And that's, you know, I got into a mortgage brokering and some in- insurance type stuff, started a business with that. Um, so yeah, it, it was a process. It was interesting. It was an interesting time. Going back to an earlier topic we talked about where when you were playing sports and you were practicing all the times in the, in the yard, were you kind of using that concept going through that where you're kind of pushing yourself to think ahead and you weren't going to stop until you're able to be on that path where you're able to think more in the future in a way? Yeah, I did. I mean, I don't, I don't think I necessarily looked at it like, Hey, let me go back and, and, used in experience with basketball or baseball. Um, but I do remember making a conscious decision of saying, okay, well, what have I been able to do to help me move forward before? And it was the incremental changes. And I don't think I necessarily used those words because I don't think that was so much of a big kind of term, you know, 20 years or so ago, but it was that principle of just making those small incremental growth elements. And I just thought, you know what? I, I don't know how to get, to my final destination in terms of thinking, you know, a year or five or 10 years ahead, it just seemed like an impossible task to me at the time. So I was like, well, what can I do? And I think that's the thing that looking at what I've done in business and also what, what other people have done that are successful in business relationships, you know, it doesn't matter. It's they're look, they're looking at what they can do Every single day, just what you said earlier, every day, how can you learn just a little bit more every day? And those things add up and they stack and it becomes um, Darren Hardy, um, the the compound effect. Um, He wrote the compound effect and that's what it is. It's just those little things that just compound over time. And, um, and before you know it, you, you, you're so far past it. You forgot you ever had that challenge to begin with. So I, I totally can agree with that. It's you kind of forget that you had to overcome that obstacle in a way, and it comes more natural. And I think what we talk about on the show is like mindset in a way, and where people have that mindset of, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this. I can't accomplish this. But you kind of have to get out of your head a little bit and kind of try, push yourself, overcome it any way that you can, or if, even if it's 
taking a slow step in a way. Like you said, and I even talk about, everyone has different, a different path. We all get to that end goal in different ways. My goal is to hopefully end up in sports, but I'm taking the long route in a way to develop the skills over time. So when I get into that, I'm able to exceed to everyone's expectations. Talk about how you got involved with the Rethink Academy. Okay. All right. Cool. So that, it, that's been a, um, well, probably 13 years in the making now. Um, so I moved to Ireland um, when I was in my mid twenties. Uh, so I moved to Galway, the West of Ireland. And um, as I've said, you know, I've always been quite entrepreneurial, but when I moved to Ireland, it's new country. And uh, so I just got a job because I wanted to learn, understand a little bit more around the culture of things. So I'd been to Ireland back and forth, but never lived there. So I don't know, probably a year and a half after I'd moved there. Um, I thought, okay, let, I feel like I'm a bit more, I understand a bit more around the culture and all that kind of stuff. Okay, I'm ready to start doing business. So I was looking for your normal kind of quote unquote brick and mortar type of businesses, but I was really intrigued by the whole online thing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, this was 13 years ago and, um, overall the online industry is still relatively new, but particularly then it was really, really new. And I just was fascinated by the whole idea. How can you build a business online? And so I had studied as a life coach and I've always been real big into personal development and inspired to help people and all of that sort of thing. And so I started an online business in personal development, had no idea what I was doing marketing myself. I just loved it and um, was fascinated by the whole thing. And you know, I, I don't think I made any money my first month or my second month. I think I made a couple of, I was, it was euros because I was living in Ireland, but um, I made a couple of euros that first month, I'm oh, sorry, the third month or whatever, but nothing to, you know, write home about or call yourself <laughs> successful. But I, one of the things that fascinated me is I was building an email list and I was amazed that people all over the world were being added to my email list. And I thought, wow, I'm having a global impact on people I've never met and may, and may never meet. And why, you know, why do they want to learn from me? You know, I just, the whole thing was really fascinating to me. So, um, so I just, I just dove into the whole world of online marketing and how to market what I was doing. Um, and within 18 months, I'd built up an email list of 9,000 people. I was coaching people in 13 countries and um, was still trying to learn everything, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and during that time, I'd gotten to know a couple um, big name um, people within the online marketing industry at the time. Some of them were still doing online marketing. And they said, you should start teaching people how to do this now because people want to learn. I was like, learn what, you know, I just, I didn't know what I knew. I was just trying to still figure everything out. And, uh, but I took their advice and that was about 11 years ago. And in one form or another, I've been helping people online um, and, and help market themselves, whether it's through websites or social media or whatever. And, um, and so it's, it's been, it's been a journey. Um, one of the guys that I met about 11 years ago, um, he was living in Ireland as well. And there were at the time, there were hardly any online marketers that I knew in Ireland, like, you know, much, much less the world, but much less Ireland, you know? So uh, when we found out we lived like 15 minutes down the road from each other, I was like, man, let's, let's, um, let's go out and grab a cup of coffee. 
so we, we met up, um, became real good friends. Um, we went into business together for a short period of time and, um, just through a series of things kind of went our own separate ways, nothing bad. We just went different ways and, um, I've always stayed in touch with them, really good friends. Um, and so I was looking to kind of get back into some online marketing stuff again and was chatting with him. He said, look, we'll, we're, we're doing some stuff with, with the company and I'd really like to have you on board. I think there's, there's some space for you that, that you can help us with. So, um, I started up a business again. Um, well, obviously, like I said earlier, I've always had kind of businesses off and on with, with online marketing, but, um, I, I'd started up a separate business and started working. Part of what we were doing, I was contracted out with rethink Academy and helping them with their marketing and their coaching. And so primarily what I do with them now is, as I look over all their coaching programs, we have hundreds of people every year that come through and we help um, individuals, uh, either start up an online business or people who are already having a business, showing them how to use social media, uh, to, um, just grow their businesses. Um, so it, it, it's pretty cool, man. Uh, my, my area specialty, my area of expertise, if you want to call it that, um, is LinkedIn. So I really, uh, I work with people day in and day out around LinkedIn and showing them how to generate, um, great, amazing, high quality leads from LinkedIn. Um, so it, it's cool, man. So that's what we're doing with, with rethink Academy. Uh, it's fantastic. And, uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of amazing successes and people growing their businesses. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. When you're working with these entrepreneurs and these businesses, what's the biggest challenge you're seeing that they're having problems with in social media? So there's, there's probably two, two or three biggest ones the the main one that I see a lot of people do. And I talk about this all the time is people put themselves in what I call a commodity market. So they lump themselves in uh, with a group of people. And what happens when you put yourself in a position of being a commodity is you compete on price. So one of the examples I always give, cause I think a lot of people can just understand this is personal trainers. Okay. Mm -hmm. So everyone knows where to find a personal trainer, right? at your gym you know that you go to your personal trainer you ask them can you help me and you know, what, what do you want to do well it's either i want to lose weight or i want to add some muscle right i mean that's usually two things and what do they say yes like of course that's they've they've been trained to do that what's the first question what's the next question out of everyone's mouth pretty much well how much and what happens then is you start shopping around and because there's nothing that necessarily differentiates one personal trainer from another, you're a commodity. And so you usually go usually with the cheapest or the one right above the cheapest because you don't want to be a cheapskate, right? So you, you, you but, but you, you compete on price. So what happens then is as soon as you put yourself in a commodity market, there's always going to be somebody cheaper than you which means you're competing on price and you have to drive your prices down to compete. And I see people go out of business all the time, um, particularly like coaches. So, you know, as I said, I started off as a life coach, life coaches, NLP practitioners, even business coaches, executive coaches, they lump themselves into this group of I'm a life coach, I'm a business coach and you compete on price and people have a preconceived idea of what you do when you lump yourself into a commodity market. So the biggest thing that we do to start off with is we help our clients show themselves, show them how to position themselves 
on what makes them different. What's that key thing? What's that one main outcome you're able to help people to achieve that's different from other people, okay, from other people in your field? Once you land that and you structure that, structure that properly, it changes the whole entire game of your marketing. Because you're able to speak to your ideal prospects, it's very clear what you're able to help them to achieve. You're not trying to be all things to all people anymore, which is a big mistake. And you're able to then create marketing, whether it's posts, podcasts, you know, brochures, if you're doing brochures for whatever business you're doing, right? Whatever you're doing, it helps your marketing and be very specific to your target market and how you can help them. So that's, that's the biggest mistake. And to be honest with you, Alex, even marketing people, I see do this all the time, you know, um, and, and they just say, Oh, you know, I'm a marketer. I can help you scale your business. Well, yeah, I hope so. That's what, that's what marketers do. Right. Yeah. So what makes you different from every other marketer out there? So it, it that's the, the number one thing I see people making a mistake in. I think I can definitely relate, not me as a business person, but from being on the other side, trying to find, like being the person asking the personal trainers, what what's your price and all that? And I definitely can notice that with the stuff I've looked at is, well, you're basically the same thing and you're kind of different prices. What makes you better than the other person? And I'm one of those people, I always do the research and reviews and stuff and look at those things. But that's an interesting point that a lot of people in the business world are going through where they have to put themselves out there, but they don't want to reduce their prices because everyone thinks the easiest option is, oh, just lower your prices. But you got to make money somehow. You yeah. can't just lower the prices because then your margins are off. Yeah. And, and what happens then is you start getting discouraged because all of a sudden you know that you're charging less than the value you offer. Yeah. Okay. Which, which obviously you always want to add more value than what you're, you're charging, but there's a difference between doing that in the right way and just going, God, I feel like I'm getting ripped off because I, I can't survive off of this anymore. You know, and I see a lot of great people with a lot of skills not be able to pursue what they'd like to do in life because they simply don't know how to market themselves or position position themselves in a way that make them different from everybody else. So as, as, as an example, you know, a personal trainer, they could position themselves where they say, I help athletes mm -hmm. to achieve peak performance in 90 days, assuming that's actually possible. Okay. So I'm just making that up. But that makes you're very different at that point. Yeah. You know, working with athletes, their mentality is different, right? They're different than the new year's resolutions people in January. Okay. That are going to be off the, the track in two weeks anyway. So you're dealing with a, a, what I'll call a higher caliber of client because they're thinking differently anyway. And you're able to help them. You're saying you can help them achieve peak performance in 90 days. So the athlete can go, really? Okay, how do you do that? And so it attracts the right type of client. And an athlete who's wanting to achieve peak performance in 90 days, they will pay you more if they know you can help them achieve that. It's not an issue on price. They, they know if you can help me achieve that, cool. How much do you charge? Let, 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 let's do this. It changes the game. Yeah, they kind of, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if that's possible, but I've been on that track where <laughs> the New Year's resolution comes out and it's like two weeks, oh, nope, I got busy, off track now. But that's 
it's definitely one of those where I've definitely learned in my days working in marketing where you kind of have to find your, um, I can't even think, niche, niche in a way, and kind of put yourself out there where what makes you different? It's always what makes you different. Even with the whole the podcast, it's like there's so many out there, but what makes you different? And then I think I utilize my story and when I'm talking with my guests and how I can relate because I've overcome my challenges and just the passion that I have for the show. And that's yeah. what I'm trying to be different, but I enjoy each day. So, but I'm yeah. definitely going to take your tips and all that. <laughs> I didn't even have to pay for it. You but. didn't have to pay for it, no. <laughs> so during this time with Rethink Academy, did that give you the opportunity to start your own business with Easy Coaching Mastery, or did it kind of fall in a different area or time frame? Well, um, so it, it, it's my... Um, it allowed me to start up a new business because I'm, I'm contracted out with, with uh, Rethink Academy anyway, so um, it, like... I have to have my own business because it, it's my business, what I do. So I'm just contracted out with them, just like I'm contracted out with other clients to help them with what they're doing. But it allowed me to get really focused on what I love doing and, you know, which is helping people uh, to position themselves on the internet to build and grow their businesses, um, which, which is the overall scope of what we do but even within that what i really love doing is just helping people and it goes back to the whole thing why i started up with the life coaching side of stuff because even when you're in business i mean look i i, I can tell you which buttons to push right like it's easy you do this do this do it in this order right the, the reason why most people don't succeed with this is because of their mindset mm-hmm and that consistency, which we were talking about earlier. So they go in and um, it, it's something that I regularly talk about with to my clients because no matter what we do in life, whether it's a business, whether we buy a course and we think, oh, this is going to change our lives or whether it's a new relationship, oh, I finally found the one, you know, or, or started a new job even like, you know, all oh, that job, I hated that one. This new job is going to be amazing. What happens is we go into these situations you know, particularly when you start up a business, it's exciting, it's fun, all that kind of stuff. But we, what happens is at the beginning of that journey, we tend to put it up on a pedestal and we look at all of the benefits that it's going to give us, or we think it's what we perceive it's going to give us. And we look at it and we think, oh, this is the answer to all my problems, all my financial worries, or, you know, this person's the answer to all my relationship goals and all of this sort of stuff. And we look at it from all of the positives, none of the negatives, all the upsides, none of the downsides. And then as we get into that, whether it's a day mm -hmm. or whether it's a few months down the road, what happens then is our unrealistic expectation of perfection that we had at the beginning begins to get challenged. And it's not as easy as we perceived or thought it would, would be, or, you know, we'll hear things and interpret them based on our unrealistic, unrealistic expectation, right? So a relationship's a really good one. You meet that person and it doesn't matter what they do, what they say. It's like, oh, it's amazing. You know, three months in, you're like, I don't agree with that. You're crazy, you know? And it's, it's that sort of thing where, once you get into it, you, there's a growth element. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And then what happens is you say, it's not working. Or um, why am I doing all this? Because it's not what I expected it to do at the beginning, which wasn't going to happen to begin with because it was so unrealistic at the beginning. So what happens then is once you start having those challenges and you start having those things that you need to learn, you know, even, you know, uh, I, I'm, I just know this process to be true. So I know even with you, Alex, with what you're doing in your podcast, it was probably really exciting. And you right at the beginning, as you got into it, there were other things like, well, how do I get it out in front of more people? How do I find people to get onto the podcast? Okay. So I've got a few followers. Well, it, and this is what happens is right. We go, if I just got five, one follower, then I, then I know at least it's possible. You get that one follower and you forgot that that's all you wanted the week before. You know, it's like one follower. I, I can't survive off one follower. How am I supposed to do this? I need, I need a thousand followers. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, how do I do that? And I don't even know how to do it. Where am I going to go? And, and then you get people who unfollow you and you feel like you're going backwards, you know, all this sort of stuff happens. And this is where people stop. You know, you, you've been pressing all the right buttons, but you're not consistent with it over time to learn the stuff you need to learn to make it a success. And so that's, probably the second biggest thing that I see people have um, in business as well as just generally in life is just the lack of consistency and being willing to be, to learn and be coachable through that process as well. I think a lot of people can relate to that where the, like the planning process or the pre part of it, they get so excited and they're like, I am going to do this, this, and this. But then it's like when they actually get into it and it's like live, it's kind of, they start, second guessing or doubting themselves in a way. And I definitely can relate to that with this. Me too. <laughs> I was so excited about it. And then you get into it. I'm like, okay, how do I edit? I don't know how to do this. How do I schedule people? How do I interact with people's like agents and PR people? And it's kind of like, okay, for me, I had to learn. And that's a great tool right now is the internet and networking. Those were the opportunities where I could learn how to do this so I could become better at it because I'm one of those people I don't give up. I'm going to keep fighting until the day it stops, but I don't think about the day it stops. I'm just going to keep going further and further and further. And it's one of those things where, and even in businesses, like you said, um, with the blind or your uh, window blinds company, or you didn't get it right away it kind of had to take time to be able to make that money for the coaching business. Yeah. yeah. I think that's what you meant, not the blinds company because people needed those blinds. Yeah. Um, it took time and, but you never gave up in what you were wanting to accomplish. And that's kind of the mindset that we all should have is we have to continue to fight for what we want. You can't just, when it stops, give up, move to the next. And even from relationships to jobs to friendships it all works the same way yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's a journey and you have to go through that process through it and um and as you said be willing to continue to learn through that um because there, there's the other element of it is there's the things that you don't know you don't know you know and you can look back now with your just you know just as your podcast as an example you can look back and I'll call it your naive self at the beginning of the podcast journey and go, Oh my God, if 
that Alex only knew what he needed to do to get to where he is now. It's like, he had no idea. Yeah. And it's that, it's that element where, you know, there are things and, and, you know, we'll go, okay, well, it's only going to take me 30 minutes a day to do this. And then you get into it thinking, God, it's going to take me four hours a day. And we have to make this decision. Now, that doesn't mean forever, but it means in the short term to be able to figure it out. And a lot of people just aren't willing to put in that time and effort uh, for as long as it's needed to put in and, or pivot and change so that they can adapt to what they need to do through that process. Um, and and um, it, it's that that is the biggest thing that I think people are, are challenged with once they get something set up is just the longevity, having that long-term mindset, you know, of going in, even when getting clients, you know, often, I often talk to our clients about, you know, they'll go in and they'll say, if they're starting up a new business, they'll say, you know, I want to charge this much for a client. Well, if you've never done that work, you're going to have to do it for cheaper, Yeah, you know, and get those testimonials coming and get the social proof coming in and then it becomes easier. So yeah, it's a journey, man. So what does the future look like for you personally and professionally? What are you wanting to accomplish in the next few years? So for me, well, um, a couple things. We're doing some really cool things with Rethink Academy. Um, it's something, uh, you know, I don't see any any time in my mind of that not being involved with that. I'm sure at some point maybe, but um, the Rethink Academy is just where we're going and the growth of that is is phenomenal, just helping people. Um, and we're we're branching out with Rethink where it's not just the social media training part of it, but it's helping people with kids with finances um, time management and almost kind of looking at it like a, you know, the, the, the four dummies books where we're doing kind of like a rethink element of that of saying, you know, how can we help people rethink different areas of their life? Um, and so uh, really involved with all that. I want to continue to help people win business. And then um, obviously what I'm doing with my LinkedIn business is growing. Um, we're getting ready to launch a LinkedIn agency because a lot of people um, want someone to do it for them. A lot of companies, you know, don't have the time to do that. So um, it's exciting, man. It's just, there's a lot of growth, um, you know, doing more podcasts like this. And once, once we can start traveling and doing <laughs> events again, um, yeah. I've always loved speaking from stage. So, you know, doing a lot more of that sort of thing, but for me, it's, it's about just working with people and helping them get the results that they're wanting to achieve, which is exciting. Have you been able to do like um, speaking engagements through like Zoom or are you a person that prefers that in-person interaction? Um, I prefer the in-person interaction, but um, obviously that's not, it's just not possible right now. So you yeah. do Zoom. Um, Zoom is still good. I mean, you can still have a lot of really good interaction and a lot of good uh, experience. And, and I think particularly right now, because people know that's kind of the only way to do it really on at scale, you know, um, it, people that I'll say the attendees, they know that. And so they're kind of more engaged. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I love being in a room with people um, the more, the better, um, just the, the, the energy feeding off the energy in the room and all that kind of stuff. I just love it. It's, it's one of my most favorite things to do. For someone that's listening to this interview, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to their challenge? So the number one thing will go back to that around consistency. You've got to stay consistent with it. Um, the only way you're ever going to 
uh, rise to your challenge is to be consistent with that. Because if not, the challenge will beat you. And you've got to be able to learn the skills, which takes time to overcome that. And one of two things will happen. You'll either figure out how to overcome it so that you don't deal with that challenge anymore, or your skill set will become so big that when the challenge does arise, it doesn't seem challenging anymore. It just, it's just something you've learned to deal with. And it's just, it's just next, you know, your, your, the next challenge, which means you're going to have to learn a new set of skills. You're going to have to go through another process. And then that challenge will seem minuscule and you'll go on to your next challenge. And um, so it's a never ending thing that you always have to continue to learn from. And, you know, when you look at how do you rise up again, uh, or how do you rise to your challenge? I think realizing the challenge never ends. Mm-hmm. And when you just accept that and say, okay, the challenge never ends and you look at it for what it is, every challenge is, is an opportunity to grow. And if you're no longer having any challenges in life, your heart's probably not beating anymore, <laughs> Yeah, you know, because you're always, always, always going to be growing. The more you learn, the more you realize you don't know and the more you want to learn. And so the more you learn means you have to experience more challenge. Um, so as encouraging that as that may sound. <laughs> well, Jason, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. We're excited to learn more about you and excited to see what the future looks like for you. Cheers, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. It's been great to be on the show. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you follow and subscribe us on our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.